Chapter 11, How to Be More Present Back when my husband and I first started dating, I had a relatively long commute to work. So, instead of surfing channels on the radio to find a good song, I just merrily tuned out whatever music was playing and daydreamed about my honey. Aww. I'd get so lost in my thoughts that sometimes I would look up and be like, wait, where am I? Oh yeah, my exit's two stops away. And then I would happily return to my gooey-eyed musings and proceed to miss my exit, making my commute even longer. Oh man, I did it again. Life is a highway. We do this all the time with food. Your body is the highway, where road signs are like subtle signals and sensations your body sends you when you're eating. But you're so busy thinking about the deadline for the TPS project at work or worrying about whether or not Sally got your text and, I don't know, she hasn't messaged me back yet. Is she mad at me? Maybe I should text her again. And suddenly, you miss the exit that said, hey, we're full. It's time to stop eating. You didn't even notice that signal from your body, and you kept on trucking by. Now, you've had way more food than you planned, and with some guilt to go along with it. On top of that, now your bag of chips is empty. <sighs> Sigh. So, how do you learn to refocus your attention on the road signs and signals that your body is sending you when your brain is yammering all the time? One way is to put a number on it. The hunger number. Imagine a number line with zero in the middle and plus 10 on one end and minus 10 on the other end. Minus 10 is how you feel when you're famished or so hungry you could eat a house. Plus 10 is how you feel when you ate way too much pizza and you need to put on your stretchy pants. Naturally, zero is neutral and is in the middle. It's how you feel when you're neither hungry nor full. In the book, there's this nice little diagram of the hunger number with like a number line with plus 10 on one end, negative 10 on the other end, and yeah, you get the visual. Anywho, the hunger number gives you a numerical value to measure how you feel at any given moment. What you're aiming for is to never get below negative three or four and never get above plus three or plus four. You want to eat when you feel a little bit hungry and you want to stop eating when you feel, yep, a little bit full. Let me ask you, have you ever skipped a meal, but when you did decide to eat, it was hard to stop eating? That happens because when you get past negative four on the hunger scale, your brain goes into scarcity mode. Your primitive brain wants to avoid starvation in case there's a famine. So when you do decide to eat after skipping a meal, the subconscious signal from the brain is Eat as much as we can while there is still food available because we do not know when we get to eat again. In addition, that healthy meal you planned no longer looks so good when you're past negative four. The brain wants energy, stat, and it knows that certain kinds of foods have more energy, i.e. calories. And yep, you guessed it, foods high in sugar, salt, and fat are the ones that have more energy. So just notice when you're feeling hungry past negative four, so you don't overcompensate when you do end up eating. On the other end of the scale, stopping at or before plus four allows you to feel satisfied, but not too full. My dad always used to tell me, leave the party while you're still having fun, because when you stay too long, it can ruin a good time. Eating to plus three or plus four is like that. 
you can wake up feeling ready for food the next day rather than trying to promise yourself that you'll only eat salad for the rest of your life because you feel so full and gross. The hunger number helps you be in tune with your body. If you're eating chips out of the bag on the couch while watching Hulu, you're not as likely to be thinking about how your body feels. The hunger number reminds you to tune in every now and then and eat in a manner that feels good to your body rather than just feeding your emotions. A small way to start out using the hunger number can be to simply keep a record of how you feel on the number line at various times of day. Set a reminder in your phone to check in and gauge what number you'd give your hunger level every few hours. That can be a mini step in the direction of using the hunger number to help you determine when to eat and when to stop eating. Eating in the fast lane. I'll be honest. When I first started thinking about mindful eating, I really hated it. It felt more like guiltful eating than anything else. I mean, I like to get stuff done. Multitasking while I eat seems like a great way to kill two birds with one stone. However, that's like eating in the fast lane of life. When I do that, I can eat a whole meal and realize I never really tasted any of it. And it's much easier to overeat when I'm not paying attention. Since I really love food and I actually enjoy tasting it, and I don't love the feeling of being overly full, I learned to give mindful eating a fair shot. For those who say that food is just fuel, you know what, good for them. But that alone ignores a whole host of other reasons why we eat. We also eat because food is amazing. It tastes and smells and feels so good. Food can be a way to express love. Food can be a beautiful form of communication with others. Combining food and time and conversation with others becomes so much more together than any one of those elements on their own. Food is gorgeous and glorious and one of the most exquisite experiences of this life. Why, oh why, would we want to rush through that and miss it because we're looking at our phone? Actually, a lot of reasons. I love Friday night movie night with the family. I am not as focused on my food when we eat in front of the TV. But I accept the trade-off because I enjoy the ritual and the time with my family. Other times, I do take time to stop and look at my food. I smell it, and I thank God for the sunshine that helped grow it and the people who helped get it to my plate. When we can be mindful and present with our food, we get so much more out of the experience. Eating mindlessly can feel good in the moment. It's a way to numb, tune out, buffer, and ignore the emotions that you're feeling. While that has short-term pleasure, it has long-term consequences both because the feelings that you're numbing don't go away and the food that you're shoveling is accumulating in unattractive ways and you're not even actually tasting it. So why eat mindfully? Well, you actually get to enjoy the food you're eating. You're more likely to be able to tell when you're full and you get to be the one in charge of the decisions rather than reacting to the food or the circumstances in your environment. Frankly, there are times when I'm still not that great at mindful eating, but there are some easy ways to sneak in a little bit of mindfulness here and there to have your multitasking and taste your food too. Here are some ideas to start experimenting with mindful eating. Pick and choose or combine different ones. See what you like and what you don't. Customize what works for you. One, 
Try eating one meal a week or per day without a screen or any other distraction. Two, try pausing before eating and appreciating the colors of your food, the smell, the texture. Three, if you're spiritually inclined, take a moment to thank God or the universe for all that went into creating the food that you are blessed to eat and ask that it may nourish your body just as God nourishes your soul. Four, try putting your fork down between bites or after every third bite. Make it a game. Five, chew your food more. Take extra time to really chew it and taste it in your mouth. Six, stop eating after five minutes and wait two minutes before eating again. Or, you know, mix up the numbers. Maybe stop eating after four minutes and wait one minute. You get it. Check in with your body. How do you feel? What's been your favorite part of the meal so far? Do you want more or are you full? Seven, slow down. Time yourself while you're eating. Tomorrow, try to make the same meal take two minutes longer, one minute longer. Eight, as you're eating, try and label the sensations you're experiencing in your mouth and in your body. Name it. What does it feel like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? Etc. Nine, make a deal with yourself that you can have any snack you want as long as it's at the table. Distraction-free. Just you and the food. Ten, sometimes when I'm trying to remember something, I move a ring to a different finger or a bracelet that my daughter made for me to the other wrist. And it feels weird because it's not in the normal place. It makes me more present with myself and say, Wait, why is this on the wrong finger? What was I trying to remind myself of? That could be a way to help you remember to check in with yourself and ask if you're hungry or remind yourself to be present with your food. There is no way to be perfect at mindful eating. Remember, perfection, not a thing. There is no right. It's just a question of, do you want to enjoy the gift of food 1% more this week than last week? Treat it lightly. See what happens. Have fun with it. Backseat driving. I used to really, really love pizza. I could easily eat four slices of pizza without hardly taking a breath. I mean, the smell of it alone was enough to ruin my diet. The crazy thing was, it almost felt like I wasn't always the one in control of making the choice to have another slice. It was as if there was a backseat driver in my brain who took over the wheel and said, I'm in charge here. (laughs) However, That reactive eating left me feeling really bloated and painfully full and all around gross after eating pizza. One morning after a particularly big night of pizza, I distinctly remember telling my husband, I think I want to break up with pizza. (laughs) He raised an eyebrow as if to say, yeah, good luck with that. The conscious mind is where you decide, I'll have one slice of pizza and a side salad. Yet the subconscious mind is the one that takes over and says, screw the salad, I'll have three more slices of pizza, please, and I'll take that with a side of breadsticks. So which part of your brain gets to decide what to eat in the moment, and how do you give your conscious mind a fighting chance when the subconscious mind is using weapons of diet destruction? There are a couple ways to give your conscious mind an edge. Step one, be aware of environmental triggers. Sometimes the best laid plans can get wrecked simply by what's around us. Here are some of the things that can make you change your mind about what you decide to eat 
no matter what your conscious mind said earlier in the day. Number one, the presence of food. Simply by being present, a food can make you change your mind. Have you ever walked by the candy bowl in the office and randomly grabbed one on your way to the copier? Or maybe you hadn't had a thought in your mind about the chips, but when your partner brought some home and now they're just there, staring at you, now you're thinking about nothing but the chips. Be prepared for this in advance. Think ahead. What sort of food will be available? If you're going out, you know the bread basket will be there. How do you want to respond to it in the moment? In my case with pizza, I knew I had to eat my side salad first thing or it would never happen. That helped me get in some good greens first and feel fuller before starting in on the pizza. Number two, for environmental factors, what other people are eating. Have you ever watched a commercial for something and thought, mmm, that looks good? Watching other people eat triggers our mirror neurons. We are neurologically wired to mimic others in order to fit in with the tribe. So by seeing someone eat something, the mirror neurons light up in the same areas of the brain that would fire if you had actually eaten the food. But since you didn't actually eat it, now you crave it. So if you see someone eating dessert, be aware that your mirror neurons will tell you, I want some too. It's not that you have faulty willpower. It's simply your brain doing what it does, thinking that it's helping you survive by fitting in with the tribe. Knowing in advance can help you be prepared for that thought to come along and counter it with a proactive thought like, yeah, I know that looks good, but it's not on my plan today, maybe tomorrow. Have you ever changed your mind about what you plan to order at a restaurant based on what other people in the group ordered? Again, our brains are wired to help us fit in with the tribe. Our survival literally depends on it, or at least that's what the subconscious mind thinks. So when you're the last one to order, you can be strongly influenced by what others ordered in front of you. You can counter that by ordering first, or by reminding yourself that your survival does not actually depend on you ordering the same burger and cheese fries as the person at your table who ordered in front of you. At the end of the day, it's not about the other people. They don't really care what you're doing. When you're in a place where you are confident in what you're doing, it really doesn't matter what other people are doing or thinking. All the power is within you and managing your own desire is within you. You don't have to control the external environment in order to change what you feel on the inside. Step two, be aware of emotional triggers. So we were talking about environmental triggers just a minute ago. Now we're going to talk about emotional triggers. There are so many reasons why we eat, and emotions account for about 4,739 of them. You already know that you're more likely to have less willpower later in the day because of decision fatigue, and your brain has less resources available to make decisions that support long-term goals. But whatever emotions are at play can accelerate that process. From the minor to the mighty, all kinds of ups and downs in your emotions throughout the day can impact your decisions around food later on. Here are just a few examples. Logistics. Okay, Hannah has a soccer game this afternoon, but I have a work meeting at 2.30. I think I can make it on time if I wrap up when we're supposed to. But Roger is running the meeting and he's terrible about respecting other people's time. Oh, and it's my turn to bring the snacks, so I have to remember to stop by the store on the way. 
Ugh, Sarah brought homemade parfait fruit cups last week. She's like the perfect mom. My store-bought Cheetos and juice boxes are lame. Boredom. I have been working on this report for two hours. It's time for a break. I know. How about a snack? Frustration. Why, oh why, does my child refuse to put on his shoes exactly two minutes before we have to get out the door? Every damn time. Worry or anxiety. Why hasn't Amanda texted me back? Is she angry with me? I meant it as a joke. I hope she took it that way. I wonder if I should text her again and explain. Maybe I should say something. Maybe I should leave it alone. Maybe her phone fell in the toilet. I don't know. Grief. Mom's test results came back. They're not good. We are emotional beings that have thoughts, not the other way around. Just know that even something that seems small can create a cascade of emotions that drain your willpower and leave you vulnerable to the easy decision in the moment that doesn't serve you in the long run. Step three, take your brain to the gym. When you know there are certain foods that your brain wants, but your body feels bloated or tired afterwards, you can train your brain to focus on different aspects that help you be in control of your choices. Mentally, how can you strongly attach the bloated, tired feeling to the food that you'd like to have less of? Whenever you have a craving for a food, there are two ways to look at it. One, I want this food because I'm craving it at this moment and I really don't care about the consequences. Or two, I know this food will make my body feel gross later. How badly do I want to eat it knowing that I will feel gross? Just taking a pause and considering the option is the win. Even if you still decide to go for the not so healthy food, it's still a win because you are putting yourself in control of your choices rather than reacting in the moment. But you can take it a step further. Just like you're not going to get stronger muscles by sitting on the couch, your thoughts aren't going to change if you don't direct them on purpose. So proactively carve out some time to think about how good healthy food makes you feel. Attach your proactive thought time to something you already do regularly. For example, okay, I am specifically trying to eat less bread. When I brush my teeth, I'll spend one minute proactively thinking about how great I feel when I eat healthy food and how gross I feel when I eat bread. Also, take time to associate good feelings with healthy food. If you're trying to avoid bread, proactively take a moment when you chose a meal without bread to give yourself a mental high five. Like, dang, I feel good. Woohoo, go me. Yes, it's cheesy. I get it. Roll with it. You gotta be your own biggest cheerleader. It took me six years after telling my husband I wanted to break up with pizza to get to the point of mindfully being able to be aware of my pizza cravings, actually tasting it when I ate it, noticing how my body felt afterwards, and finally getting to a place where I legitimately would prefer a salad instead of a pizza slice. Be patient. Give yourself the grace to feel like it's not working. It is. It just takes time. Do I still have pizza? Sure, on occasion. But it doesn't pull at me the way it used to, and I don't want that bloated, painfully full, gross feeling that I know comes with it. There are still foods like that for me that I'm working on, and I'm working through the question of, is the way I'll feel after I eat or drink this food really worth it? 
Sometimes the answer is no, and I choose something else. Sometimes the answer is still yes, and I take the consequence of how I feel later as part of the bargain. We're all a work in progress, and that's okay.